0: to episode 113 of Running Matters Podcast. I'm your host, Paul Hatfield, and today I have the pleasure of chatting with one of the true legends of Aussie distance running, Eloise Wellings. And this is the second time Elsie has been an uh, interviewee on the show, but a lot has changed since 2019 when we first had her on. We've lived through a big chunk of pandemic time. Elsie has introduced uh, another young buck, Sonny, to the clan. And she's transitioned from a, a gun 5 and 10k runner to a marathon athlete with some great success. So we chat about all of those changes and uh, recount a couple of Elsie's amazing highlights. The, the most recent being fourth place at the Com Games in the marathon. Uh, so we, we get some great, great information on, on how she has transitioned there and uh yeah, her, her ability to, to continue running at such a high level. That was her fifth Commonwealth Games, which is an amazing achievement. We also have a chat about uh, Elsie's hat that she wears as an ambassador for the Blackmores Running Festival and the, the, the chance that, that that particular race, the Sydney Running Festival, has to become a world marathon major in the not-too-distant future and what Eloise's role is in that and, and how we as runners can get behind that process and, and bring the World Marathon Majors to Australia. Uh, so before we get started, I'd like to thank our podcast partners, Runala, Raid Light, Fractel, Guimi Allied Health, Base Camp Altitude, Goo Energy, Cronulla Beer Co., Cronulla Mat- uh, Running Matters Coaching, and Coda Nutrition. So without further ado, I'll get Elsie on the line. Enjoy. Okay. Welcome to the program again, Eloise Williams. How are you?
1: Thanks, Hattie. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, not at all. The last time we spoke was 2019. I was just looking through the archives and there have been a few little changes in your life since then. Wow. Um, Number one change, probably birth of young Sonny. How's he going?
1: Yeah, he's good. I'm actually doing this podcast from the car, um, funnily enough, because it's where I go to hide from him. but Johnny's inside. He's not on his own. Um, but, yeah, he just wasn't quite ready for a, um, a nap yet. And um, so here I am.
0: Okay. And mum's number one when, when you're around?
1: Uh, yeah, mum's yeah. number one. Like, dad, dad gets a look into. But, um, yeah, he's pretty clingy at the moment to me, to be honest, um, which is pretty cute. Um, secretly love it. But, yeah, no, nah, he's, he's such a good kid. We're just loving. He's so fun and, um, yeah, loving life with a two-year-old, the ups and downs, yeah, as you
0: crazy, know. Crazy ride, for sure. Oh, uh, yeah. You look like you're getting some stuff done in the meantime, which is awesome. So I guess how, how did you bounce back from the pregnancy and, and, and giving birth to Sunny this time? Different experience for the first time around?
1: Yeah, it was. It was in that, like, um Pretty much after three months, when Sunny was three months old, like the world was shutting down for um, dealing with COVID. So there wasn't, you know, like I was training to try and make the Tokyo Olympics and then all of a sudden all of the races that I had planned got cancelled and, you know, travel got cancelled. And so it was a different sort of build up in that respect as well in that I didn't really know what I was shooting for and it slowed things down a bit but it also I know it was a weird time where you didn't really have any races to find out like how uh, what level um you're at and I always liked to do that like I, I started um when I came back from having Indie, like when I got to a point where I'd been training consistently and doing, you know, workouts consistently for, I think it was at least three months. Um, I wanted to test my fitness in a race, and I just couldn't do that with Sunny, just because there was no races on. So that was a bit different. And I, in hindsight, I probably um, trained. I used some of my training sessions to find out how fit I was, and. Um, yeah, but I didn't like taper for really respect how hard I was training because um, I was, in, but I was really looking for that feedback, I guess, of how I was going, mm-hmm. um, and so which was the cause, I think, of a couple of um, injuries in there. So I had two stress fractures when I was coming back from sunny, um, one in my one in my ankle actually in a weird spot in my ankle and um and the other one in my femur Mm -hmm. so yeah I think it was just um I mean there's so many things that go into um that make up I guess the cause of an injury I don't believe at any time unless it's an acute injury like you roll your ankle or you do something um where it's like a direct blow um like I think if it's an overuse injury I don't I've never assumed that it's just one thing i think you have to look um at a sphere of, of things um that might be causing it and make changes accordingly mm. and yeah that's what i did i just kind of relaxed a little bit and um didn't go looking for feedback um of how fit i was in training i just trusted the process started to trust the process more and um yeah learned again i guess through another couple of injuries that how much I love the sport and how much I wanted to come back and how much I, um, yeah, really wanted to continue to try and, um, find out where my potential lies and, um, where my limits are. And, um, yeah, so that was an interesting process too, just going through that whole cross training process again. And, um, and yeah, realizing again, reflecting again, I guess at the end of it all that I really, really want this. And I want to wear the Australian colors again and, and I guess that's what sort of set me up to, yeah, to try and um, make calm games and, um, and and move up to the marathon. Mm.
0: And I guess yeah, that's that's the other big sort of change in, in, in your career, I guess, in, in the time since we spoke. you have have pushed on to, to marathon running from that five to 10 K kind of racing in, in general terms. I guess how's that transition been in terms of what's at the change in your training? Um, from a ten k runner to a marathon runner, is there much much change
1: there? Ah, uh, there's there's a little bit. There's a, I do feel like I it suits my my body a lot more, and and also my the stage of life that I'm in, um, the the training, and it's just it's more running, but it's not as intense. Um, and there's there's blocks of it, so I know that you know a, a training block for a marathon is going to be anywhere between. 10 and 12 weeks and then you do the marathon and then you have a break um and yeah so I kind of like that I like the whole journey towards marathon and you know there's it's whereas track racing it's a bit it's fun and exciting but it's a bit relentless um there's always there seems to be always another race you know week after week after week and I guess, you know, having kids, it probably lends itself more to, um, you know, the stage of life that I'm at, that I can spend a 12-week block at home training and building up and then go and do the marathon and then have mm-hmm. a break. And, you know, we could have a family holiday, which is where, whereas when, you know, when I was, um, when I was doing track racing, there was really only, you know, one time of the year for that um you know after a major championship or at Christmas time or something like that um so yeah in that respect I I I love that and I guess the training yeah the long runs are just a a bit longer I guess I've gone from running an hour 45 when I was in full training for 5 and 10k races to you know up to two and a half hours um on a Sunday and then we do a a big marathon, what we call a big marathon session on a Friday morning. And, um, you know, that would consist of long, long reps um, at close to or slightly faster than marathon race pace. Um, So four by, a five by 4K with a minute rest or a two minute rest, um, seven times 3K with a two minute rest or two minute jog. Um, or two minute float so yeah I think that those we would never obviously do that um for five and 10k training so it's just slightly different um to that but yeah I really enjoy it and as I said it's it's not as intense it's just more running it's kind of you you getting your body you're I guess deepening your well of fitness deepening your endurance um your legs more um mm-hmm. You're not looking for that real turnover of speed, although Nick really likes to keep that. Even in marathon training, we still do one track session a week. Um, as you know, I did I did recruit you a few months ago <laughs> to I, join in I, with that that track workout. Um, I don't think I've
0: recovered since, to be honest.
1: With you. <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember what we did, but I'm like, Patty, jump in!
0: <laughs> um, yeah, do 300s. Yeah, yeah, I think so.
1: Um, yeah, so, yeah, Nick really likes to keep um, keep those sort of workouts in just to keep the leg turnover, but obviously it's not, it's not two or three times a week now. It's, it's just that one workout yeah. on the track and then the others are on the roads.
0: Yeah, perfect. And, look, I guess we eventually settled on London Marathon through all the, the COVID craziness. How difficult was it to put everything into, you know, what would be your first marathon with the nagging thought that it could be taken away from you at the last minute?
1: Um, I guess pretty much I was just treating it, I was just holding it very loosely. And we we all got pretty good at that. You know, <laughs> after two years, we all got pretty good at holding things really loosely, you know, booking a holiday and, you know, potentially might get cancelled or if you get COVID and even still now, like, it's, you know, um, nothing's a given. And um, yeah, I just tried to you know focus on what I had to do each day to get a little bit better and be as well prepared as I could should I get the opportunity should that door open and you know like at times I thought the door was closed and I just kept thinking well I'm just gonna try and like sneak under the crack of the door (laughs) you know (laughs) and um because I'd done all the work and you know like I was still following the process of getting all the work done in training but um, but yeah, like there were so many things that were out of my control and I just had to trust that if it was meant to be, that it would happen and, um, that door would open and thankfully it did. And gosh, it was such a wonderful experience. Mm. Um, and I was like, I was afraid out of my mind to run a marathon and most, a lot of people would probably be really surprised to hear that. Maybe some people wouldn't, but it's. You know, even after running for as long as I have, um, a marathon seems like an intimidating distance. Mm -hmm. And, but now I kind of think I'm so glad that um, I ran with that fear, but with that curiosity at the same time. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I think, you know, so many people, like obviously I've done many half marathons and, um, you know, knew that I could run well at those but um you know there was there's a question mark on, on whether you know you can run a marathon and run it well and you know run it to a level that I could be a professional athlete at it as well and make Australian teams and that was the question mark and yeah I just I'm um, so glad that I was able to you know hold those two things at once the the curiosity and the fear at the same time and Um, just go out and see what was possible and you know run and try and enjoy it as Mm -hmm. well (laughs) and I did I just I loved like London Marathon was amazing every marathon that I've run has been amazing um, in its own sense and the build-up and um, yeah but I'll, I'll remember that you know for all of my days
0: yeah, it's nice after thirty years of running to be uh, excited and unsure and all those other sort of emotions with with something new. That's cool, very cool. Yeah. And, and so obviously we ran 20, 29 high. Um, you know, were you completely stoked with that debut time, or were you silently kicking yourself that you just didn't sneak under that world and com games qualifier time? Um, I
1: was. I was. I was actually really like, I was actually fine with it. I was fine with missing it. Cause I just thought I'm just going to get better. And I was just really confident that I was going to do another one and I was going to get it eventually. And I don't know, I had this real peace about it that, you know, that was my first one. I almost didn't want to like spoil the moment by being disappointed in missing a time f- by a few seconds. Um, because it was such a great experience. And I knew that like the next time I line up, I'm gonna have another opportunity to do it. I'm gonna be stronger, wiser, better, and I'm I'm just gonna go and do it. And it was just this weird sort of peace and confidence that came from, I guess, covering, you know, the distance and doing it well and being so close, but then going, oh, I get another opportunity to go and do that again. So mm. how fun.
0: Yeah. yeah that's, awesome. that's, that's um, so exciting that's cool and, and look, yeah. I guess most um most regular mortals take about 12 months to recover from the scars of their first marathon you backed up and you know, I a mere two months later in Melbourne um I guess firstly how beat up were you after marathon number one
1: I was pretty sore after London I was um but I wasn't it wasn't brutal and it wasn't like there was nothing you know super specific it was just an all-round deep fatigue um stiffness in my legs uh I remember not sleeping a wink the night of the marathon and that's pretty typical of of the night of of big races um afterwards the adrenaline and everything but also my body was just aching (laughs) um I ended up getting up at about four thirty a.m. to take a Panadol. <laughs> like, what is going on? What's happening? Um, but yeah, I mean, I was pretty sore for a couple of days. I had three days off, and then um, and then started jogging again. And then we had to come home and do two weeks of quarantine, where I just jogged on the treadmill in hotel quarantine for two weeks, and that was an interesting. Um, Time as well, I guess, and an interesting way to recover. I didn't feel great when I got out of quarantine. I don't think, like, it's obviously not normal and not natural. And, um, but yeah, at the time, it's what we had to do. So, mm. um, but yeah, just gradually got back into training. I would generally have two or three days of complete rest after a marathon. That's what I've done after, you know, the four far- marathons that I've done. Um, and I find that any longer than that, I just start to feel worse. Um, but, yeah, start out with, like, a 20-minute jog or a 5K jog um, really easily and then, you know, jog around for the first sort of two weeks and get back up to running for an hour. And then once I'm doing that, I usually like to do, like, a small, a shorter sort of tempo um, that third or fourth week back. Um, I also feel like if I have too long without doing any running, like my body just doesn't like it, my tendons and everything Mm -hmm. gets stiff. So it's this careful balance between like allowing your body to rest and recover from the actual, um, the impact and the damage, the fibrous damage that you do from the marathon, but then also um, not getting like too stiff and, uh, you know, from, being like from sitting around too much
0: yeah yeah for sure um,
1: that so active yeah.
0: recovery is so so important regardless of period. Yeah. so yeah no that's good yeah. and look at any um sort of magical recovery habits and tools that you're using these days to expedite that process
1: um yeah i mean i'm always like looking for different things to to help me recover but like just i mean Nutrition is so, is probably number one. Like, just eating lots of carbs, lots of protein, like, just making sure that you're fueling after a marathon. I found that, like, after you run, after such a hard race, there's so much to be said for, like, um, just refueling and making sure that you're, um, yeah, that you're cov- recovering properly, that you're fueling properly to, to allow your body to make all the healing and all the recovery that it needs um, for the damage that's been done. Um, and, yeah, I guess ice baths and, you know, like, as you say, just walking around and stretching and massage and um, those sorts of things. I, was, I probably didn't do as well as that after Birmingham um, just because we, we pretty much got straight on a plane to come home um but yeah i did i did most of those things and um they definitely help
0: yeah awesome that's great And so i guess we we head down to melbourne in december 2021 and and we end up running 229 low which is that qualifier you're sort of after so you know spectacular improving on the second second go how much of that 30 second improvement do you put down to the world's greatest pacer in rory
1: (laughs) i put a lot down to it actually um yeah, Rory, it's funny how, funny how that came about because we were originally running the half marathon and about 12 days out, Nick said to me, Nick, my coach said, you know, I think that you should, you could run the full marathon. I actually messaged him the results of a, a tempo workout that he'd sent me that morning. So this is what I did, felt great, felt better as I went. That's what I said. And he wrote back, um, you know, you could run the marathon in Melbourne. If you wanted to and i was like what and he's like just kidding like <laughs> i like but you're not really like what you know um and he said oh well you know there's a chance that you could win it and you could get a, or, or you could you know do really well and get the qualifying time and um yeah he said i think that um you know if you made sure that you recovered really well um then it wouldn't be a problem and so yeah, I thought about it and I basically said to him, if Rory can do it with me, then I'll do it. And <laughs> so he said, I oh, will get Rory, no problem, if Rory wants to do it. And so, um, yeah, I called Rory and he's like, um, <laughs> okay. So, yeah, we basically um, jumped into that, jumped into the deep end. It was Rory's first marathon. Mm. Um and I mean we'd like we'd obviously been training, we'd we'd done the whole London build-up and everything. So um like we we're fit enough to run a half. I was definitely fit enough to run the half and I was ready, ready to run another marathon. But Rory had just got back from holidays in two weeks' holidays in New Zealand, so we already <laughs> hadn't run very much. So he was a bit underdone, but <laughs> but he was ready. He was like all in and committed and um yeah, so he did really well and um, came in. I mean, he, he could have – I'm sure he could have kept running with me, um, but he let me go at about the 35K mark, I want to say, 37K mark even. Mm. And, uh, but before that, he, it was so handy to have him because I actually needed to have to stop and go to the toilet, which was super awkward and um, annoying. Um, every marathon runner's worst nightmare uh -hmm. at about the 20 or 15k mark and I lost about a minute or a minute 20 um to duck into the toilet and yeah I was stressing a bit because I'm like I don't you know wanted to get the time that was the main goal for the race and obviously to to win if I could and um Millie had just such a great, great day and a great race and um, kudos to her. And yeah, she, she ended up obviously taking the win and, um, but to be able to, you know, get back onto the course and get my, um, I guess, get myself in the frame of mind to believe that I could still make up time to, to make that qualifying time for the world champs and um, Com games was, um, was pretty crucial and it was great to have Rory, running with me and I had um, Johnny, my husband, on the bike. He had the, he was the um, drink, our drinks caddy and uh, another another friend of ours, Stewie Rennie, um, he was riding the bike with the drinks as well, Roy's drinks. So, yeah, we had a great little team down there. We had a lot of fun and, um, yeah, it just showed, I guess, that you don't necessarily need as much time as you think for, to train for a marathon. <laughs> um, and. yeah i'm not saying everyone should try it but i think um i think yeah i mean like i said we trained we'd done the build-up for london and that was only a couple of months before so i think that that really helped us um Hmm. and we still used that we were still able to use that base of training um i was definitely feeling at the 30 33 ish k mark that i could have done with a, a long run long, longer than 90 minutes in the last couple of months yeah um but yeah it was just it's just the way it went and yeah. you know um no regrets
0: no nah, no nah, it worked it's supposed to hurt at the 33k mark <laughs> <laughs> yeah I've yep. got this, uh, this vision of Rory like standing outside the Portaloop, just jogging on the spot like he's waiting for the pedestrian light to turn green. He was like... not.
1: He was not. He was actually stretching his hamstring. He had a leg, <laughs> leg up on, um, on one of those wooden things on the side of the road. Yeah. And, um, and I kind of, I just bolted out the toilet, mm. and, um, he like almost miss me like i'm just like just to get back on the course and he was just like just cool it cuz you don't want to run the next 3k mm. in 9 minutes mm. and mm. then not be able to do you know the rest of it like we're still at 16 or 17k at this point mm. and he's like we just need to get back on pace and then you know um just like relax into a nice rhythm again and forget about that
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly forget <laughs> about what just happened nice little nice little break you know let us
1: never speak of this again
0: (laughs) standing recovery we'll call it sitting recovery yeah so yeah Yeah. we'll we'll move forward i guess 2022 to nagoya and and you run 225 and a serious look of elation on your face at the finish line a couple of photos i've seen um did you ever expect to run that quickly such an amazing time
1: yeah i did Actually, um, in the most humble way possible, because <laughs> I was training so well, yeah. Uh, and um, yeah, I was training so well, and I felt really good in the lead-up, um, and yeah, everything was everything was directed towards having a really good day, and I knew that if I could um, just put all of that down. <laughs> in 42.2 kilometers like it would you know come together and be a really good time and I actually didn't know what time it was on my brain was like mush by in the last 3k I remember having a look at my watch and trying to work out all right if I did the next (laughs) the next k in 320 and then the next k after that I was like I'm like this is hopeless like I was just could not calculate (laughs) um and Anyway, I just couldn't work it out, so I just left it. I'm like, just stuff it, just keep running. And I was running with another um, Japanese woman, and um, we were actually racing for sixth place. Um, So it was really helpful to be able to run that last little bit together because we really pushed each other to the finish line. And, um, yeah, when I came around, because you finish, um, it's a cool little finish in Nagoya, you finish in this dome sort of area um you finish like indoors and it's the last sort of 30 meters and I came into the dome and saw the clock and I was like whoa okay wow I was just I was like not that surprised but just so so happy that it came together because it's not always the case right like you can marathon's a long way and a lot a lot can go wrong and a lot can go right but um you never know what's you know there's like some things that are out of your control, like having to go stop and go to the toilet in Melbourne. like you know there's little things like that that can come up and um, you know the weather and like there's lots of things that are out of your control but to have it all come together on that day um, was yeah, it was thrilling. and mm-hmm. I think that that was that was the, the reason for my for my elation, I guess. Yeah,
0: it's a great shot. It's uh, a yeah, very inspiring uh, finish line shot. Usually they're not quite as impressive as that, but that was a good one. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I also think that they should have uh, maths at the 35K mark as part of the hapc program. Because...
1: They absolutely should. A human-sized calculator. <laughs> or some, some like, rain man, just to, like, that you can – it's just yelling out all your splits, like <laughs> – if you stay on this pace, what will you run? Um, uh, or if you, you know, if you pick it up a little bit, I don't know, something like that would be so handy.
0: There's a lot of serious energy expenditure on uh, on getting that brain mush to do something useful. There really is. There really is. <laughs> uh, yeah. And so you've headed over for a bit of a training block in the lead up to Com games in Birmingham at, at St. Moritz there with um, Sinead Dyer and Jess Pengrove plus all of the families by the looks of things. Yeah. How important was that environment in the lead-up to Birmingham and, and just how strong is the bond between you and the other Aussie distance girls at the moment?
1: Yeah, it was It was so fun. We we had been talking about doing a camp over there um, for a number of months, um, like pretty much since, I guess, you know, Sinead and I talked about making the Com Games team together, like, when we we're running around Bushy Park before I even ran the London Marathon, so just before my first one, she's like, you know, it'd be amazing if, you know, we could make do the time, and um, if if I could do the time and um, and try and make that team, so it could be on the same team together, and um, and then yeah, when Jess just then ran in Perth and ran so amazingly there, and um, yeah, it was it was it was such a great, um, environment to be in like St. Moritz is like my favorite place in the world to train. It's just stunning. I think I've cried (laughs) on arrival (laughs) every time that I've been, (laughs) I'm just so moved by the beauty of that place. Um, but I'm a feeler anyway. (laughs) So, um, there's no denying that, but it's just stunning. And, um, you know, just got lots of great memories there as well. But, yeah, I think to be able to spend that time in such an incredible place with my family and, you know, some of my closest friends and also competitors um, and do the whole build-up together was really special. And, um, yeah, it was unfortunate, like, Sinead and Jess um, got sick with COVID whilst we are there. So that kind of took both of them out for a week, but, you know, we definitely made up for it once we got um, towards the end of the camp, and also, um, also in Birmingham, just had such a great time together. And um, yeah, it's those it's those the sort of things that you don't forget, and that you like continue on with the sport for. You know, mm. you know, in this stage of my career, like so much in it for um, the journey and the community of people, and you know, obviously want to win and want to do everything that I can to win because that's in my nature and that's, you know, I'm competitive and, um, but also love the people that I get to do it alongside mm. and um, cheering them on just as much.
0: Yeah, it's awesome. It certainly looks like a genuine camaraderie there, so very cool to watch from the sidelines. Now, uh, Birmingham was your fifth Commonwealth Games, which is an incredible achievement in itself. Um, did, you, did you think about reprising some of the fashion from your 2006 efforts in the Melbourne Commonwealth
1: Games? Um, well, the headband, no, because <laughs> I didn't, you know, my hair is long enough at this point to um, pull back and it wouldn't annoy me in my face. Um, so the headband, no. The long socks, also no. Um, but I did – I was wearing those because at the time Paula Radcliffe, my hero, still my hero, um, was wearing those in most of her races. And so I'm like, you know, what works for Paula is going to work for Elsie. So I wore those for a good season. was actually getting those socks because my husband's an ICU nurse. Um, he was um, getting those socks from work. For me for a while until they actually the company actually sponsored me but yeah they're actually um medical grade compression Compression. socks Ah, yeah yeah. Um, that you put on like after the people put on after surgery to increase blood flow um but yeah they i don't know if they worked but they were a placebo because paula paula wore them
0: that's right and and so, then She
1: really- had a really good season when I was when I was wearing them, so maybe I should bring them back.
0: <laughs> I'd like to see that. I mean, would like to see the headband as well, just quietly. But uh, <laughs> maybe when it comes back into vogue. Um, yeah. And, and so, look, a lot, a lot was made of you uh, assisting Jess during that Com Games marathon. What, what actually happened? What was the exact story there?
1: Um. So. We obviously have the stations every five kilometers and um we strap gels or most you know we strap these um energy gels Morton we both use Morton Jess and I and Sinead too um gels to our drinks and um Jess just missed a drink um we had a couple of people on the our drink station that we weren't um, that weren't in Australian t-shirts, mm-hmm. so it's actually and the, the, the drink station is a chaos mm-hmm. in at a good time, yeah. <laughs> like it's stressful and especially at the twenty kilometer mark, like you're starting to fatigue, um, you're not thinking as clearly and it's really easy to um, to miss your drink and so, um, but I got mine and yeah, Jess, Jess missed hers and I got mine and she turned around. And she's like, I just, I don't have my drink.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: um, I said, what do you need? And she's like, I I'm like, I normally have a gel, like a, a caffeine gel. And I'm like, I've got one here. I wasn't going to have it anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm not that self-sacrificing. <laughs> like I wasn't going to have it anyway. Um, so she yeah gave it to her and um and yeah we 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 got down our way she actually had one a spare one um so she was super unlucky in some ways (laughs) um because she had a spare one in her crop top but it actually bounced out and um yeah so that was good to be able to you know help her in that moment um and like gosh I'm just so glad that she got the win it's just really fun um to know that yeah like she's she was she deserved it and she um she obviously got she's had such a great history with the Commonwealth Games two bronze medals um previous to that and um yeah she was ready and she just had a day out in the sun and Hmm. um Yes, it was awesome.
0: Yeah, unreal. I loved it. Loved it from the couch, that's for sure. And and from the couch, it looked like a fairly lumpy and windy course. So how how tough was it in
1: reality? Uh, It was brutal. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It was so brutal. Um, It was really, really hilly. And, um, you know, we knew that. We knew that it was going to be hilly. We perhaps... Um, didn't know how much probably didn't respect how much the hills would hurt especially in the city the last five six kilometers um, they were the ones that really got me most um, and yeah but I guess um, it was just one of those one of those courses where yeah you really had to strategize um, really well how you were going to how you were gonna race it, it wasn't wasn't like a flat course where it was just kind of, you know, you time trialing. It was yeah. um you had to strategize and um I felt like I did that really well. Mm. And you know, fourth was what I what I had and what I could come up with and um and yeah, so I was I was really proud of how I raced in Birmingham. I think that um yeah I'm I walked away really satisfied, satisfied with being unsatisfied in that you walk away without a prize, but um, I know that it's going to set me up for – I learned so much um, about championship racing and, um, and yeah, again, learned more about the marathon event in itself and um, I'm really excited about um, the next time that I get to wear the green and gold.
0: Yeah, unreal. And look, it's such a determined, amazing effort. Congratulations on yeah, a spectacular result there. It's so impressive. Um, Thank you. I've got a, I to a question from a, I think a friend of the show and a friend of yours, Greg Atwells. He wants mm-hmm. to know, do you find it important these days to focus on the specific biomechanics of running form or is it more efficient for you to just to relax into your natural stride and cadence?
1: I think natural is best and then i mean if you're if you've got um if you if you're running in a way that's causing an injury um or that's causing you to run really inefficiently then i would suggest getting looked at biomechanically and getting looked at by an expert Um, i know you guys do that hattie um and um, like you look at people's biomechanics on the treadmill and things like that and give, suggest how they might be able to change things and give them little cues that they can um, think about to um, change, you know, the way they run. I don't think there should – I'm a big believer in not doing anything drastic because mm-hmm. <laughs> the way you run is the, usually an, exagger, an exaggeration of the way you walk and you've been walking, you know generally since you're a baby mm. and so you don't want to change something overnight drastically because that's going to cause other problems mm. um so I think gradual is the best thing and um if but and only if you think only if you've been told by an expert that you're running in an inefficient way that might be causing an injury yeah, um, yeah. I mean Paula Radcliffe's head bobbing didn't seem to hurt her, you know? And there's been, there's like lots of real, like really great, you know, some of the world's best ever runners that have inefficient um, running styles that work for them. Yeah, for sure. sure. So, yeah, I wouldn't get too hung up about the perfect way to run. The perfect way to run is how you run already um, without injury
0: yeah no that's good <laughs> i like that that's a good definition yeah. now look among many hats that you wear you are an ambassador for the black running festival sydney running festival coming up next next month
1: and mm-hmm. what
0: does it mean for you to get an official world marathon major status for the sydney marathon
1: uh it would be it would be incredible actually it would be incredible not only for marathon runners in in Sydney and New South Wales but you know runners all around Australia and um really excited about the prospect of of Blackmore's um, marathon becoming you know world world major on the list and I think it would you know, it would do so much not only for you know tourism and economy, but it would do so much for elite running and also recreational running in Australia, both ends of the spectrum. Um, if we can, you know, meet all of the criteria and and get it across the line, and yeah, really excited to be part of Blackmore's again this year. Um, have been an ambassador for the last uh, couple of years and. Uh, really love how the races run what they're all about what um what they promote in terms of raising money for charity and and um and also just health and well-being especially mental health um and you know how often do you get like the the harbour bridge like Mm. one of our, our most famous icons in in australia let alone sydney um how often do you get the opportunity to to bolt across the Harbour Bridge. Like it's closed only twice a year and, you know, once is on New Year's Eve and the other time is for the, the Sydney Marathon Running Festival. So, um, yeah, pumped to be part of it again. And this year I'm actually going to be in the commentary box um, calling the marathon, which is going to be fun. And I've um, got some great um, elite runners coming down for the race this year. And uh, yeah, going to be cheering everyone across the finish line.
0: Unreal! And we, we spoke to to Wayne Larden, the race director last week, and he did mention some serious marathoners are contracted to be here in Sydney next month. So can you reveal who we should be keeping an eye on, or who we can uh, maybe see trotting around Centennial Park in the lead up?
1: I actually can't yet. It's um it's top secret. But um we've yeah he's got sort of like the. Some of the best marathon runners in the world coming, um, and I believe it's going to, you know, raise the class of the race in the professional distance running world, and um, and also, as you know, Ladi said that they're, you know, they're they're changing the course slightly to make it um, to make it faster, um, which is exciting, uh, so that you know it will draw me more people to to running um running the race and yeah i'm just keen also to get you know like we have one of the australia has one of the highest participation numbers of half marathoners in the Mm. world Mm. and you know to get people recreation runner recreational runners in particular to get those runners believing that they can make the step up to the marathon and running sydney marathon um would be a huge feat and that's the goal is Mm. to help people to believe that they can make that step that um you know if you can do a half you can you can do a marathon Mm.
0: and and do you think that's that's the attitude people need to adopt like if you can run a half can you run a marathon
1: i think so I, i think you know like you've obviously got to do a little bit more training um depending on what you've how how much you've been training for a half but you if you've been if you've done a half marathon and you've trained well for that you've got a base there and a foundation that you can work off to run a really good marathon and to be able to you know cover the distance I think a lot of recreational runners are are worried that you know they're not going to be able to make it or this you know there's all these sort of irrational fears that your brain comes up with to, to tell you that you can't do it um but, you know, even the, the top runners, as I was saying before, like before my first marathon, you can have – you can hold fear and curiosity in the same hand at the same time and still go and do it mm. and be proud of, you know, the effort that you put in um, no matter what the result and, um, yeah, just trying to get – trying to get people to believe that it's possible because it is such a wonderful milestone and wonderful achievement, um, to to be able to run a full marathon Mm -hmm. and um yeah it's a it's a beautiful journey that people can go on and um and I guess learn you know the marathon it's been likened to the race of life you know there's so many ups and downs and so much that you can learn from the actual event and um yeah I think runners the world over can you know learn so much from from running a marathon just about themselves and um yeah grow in the experience
0: yeah I love it I love that do you you think we also need to uh just scrub the half marathon from the day so that people don't have that soft option
1: Mm, I think I think that there needs to be um an option for the half for the people that have only been running 10ks (laughs) you know I I do I I think that I think that there needs to be a half marathon um, to help people make that step because it is a process. Like I wouldn't, you know, again, um, I, you know, been running a long time and a professional athlete, but it's, it's not much different. I probably wouldn't have gone from five and 10 K track racing to running a full marathon without doing a half in between. So Mm -hmm. you can't expect recreational runners to do the same. You know, there's, there's a, there's a step process and mm. you know you're pretty ballsy if you go from running a five or 10k to like just going to do a full marathon um but that's not everyone's um that's not everyone's journey and I think we need to respect that and give them the opportunity to do that half but once you do the half don't keep do don't keep doing halves go <laughs> move up and believe that you can that you can do the next one and um yeah just have a go
0: yeah love it that's good look next question how do we get a million spectators on the streets cheering on the city marathon like we see in london and new york
1: i think have entertainment have food trucks and coffee vans and um showcase Um, runners not just the elite runners but showcase you know the stories of people um, and why they're running and and inspire people who are standing on the sidelines and this is obviously all in the lead up and and capturing people's attention engaging them enough to get out of bed on Sunday morning and come down to Sydney wherever they live and um, and cheer them on but I think we need all those things. People are, are captured by it, the stories and um, inspired by the stories. And I think that there's, you know, there's something for everyone at Blackmoors. They've got the family race and, you know, obviously the 10K um, over the bridge and the half and then obviously the full. But to get, people, to get people out there, yeah, the entertainment, it needs to be a party atmosphere, in my opinion. Yeah. It needs to be a place where people want to go and hang around. Yeah, you know, yeah. not just watch the runners go by and then go home again. It's I'm going to watch the runners, but then I'm going to hang out and like have a picnic in Centennial Park mm-hmm. because there's a big screen there and we can watch the finish. And you know, there's a jumping castle for the kids and there's mm-hmm. horse rides and I don't know, like, and I know that. Um, I know that the, the planning guys at, um, at the Blackmore Sinning Running Festival have all of these things in mind. And I guess, you know, um, budget is probably a limitation there. But, you know, I think as we keep going on and keeps getting bigger and better, I'm going to be able to do these things to help engage the, the general public. And then hopefully more people will be inspired to, to jump in and run their first half marathon and then marathon, you know
0: yep and and i believe all of those things you're describing apart from maybe the pony rides uh, are (laughs) happening at at this particular version of blackmore so they've got music they've got coffee they've got food they've got live screens happening so certainly encouraging all of our listeners to get out there if you can't run on that day get out and have a look like be a be a marathon fan because if
1: yeah.
0: we can get this thing across the line and we become one of the the world major marathons, it's going to be epic for Australian running in general and for Sydney in, in yeah. many ways. So I'll, I'll certainly be out there with my uh, my coffee jumping on the jumping castle, annoying the kids. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Maybe I should talk to Lardy about getting
0: the pony rides. <laughs> I think that'll get us across <laughs> the line actually. The pony rides, yes, yeah,
1: the pony rides. My kids will be there for the
0: pony rides, mate. Oh, unreal. <laughs> All right, so that's that's the call to arms get out there and uh check out the city Marathon this guys. Um, yeah,
1: so
0: Elsie, you, you, you've got your qualification for world champs in Budapest next year, I think there might be three other Aussie girls that have qualified there. Will you set your sights on that or are you looking for, you know, marathon majors around the world, faster times? What's What's next?
1: Um, yeah, no, I definitely wouldn't pass up the opportunity to, to compete for Australia at the World Champs next year. And, um, yeah, just going to sort of see what happens over the next few months, I think, get in New York, um, you know, training for New York and and going to New York and and doing that one is obviously the the next goal. And then I've got to sit down with Nick and kind of map out what next year looks like in terms of um, what marathon I want to focus on after that. I would probably try and, if I did choose to go to World Championships, I would, um, and if I did get selected, um, I would probably want to run um, one beforehand, maybe in March or April um yeah so and I'm not sure where that will be yet but um yeah certainly it's exciting I'm like really um really hopeful about um you know what good things could happen next year and um in you know in the marathon event and yeah looking forward to everything that that brings
0: Mm, unreal. Uh very exciting. Exciting times ahead. And I look forward to watching once again from the couch. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well look, thank you for uh for detailing your last few years. It's been exciting to watch and, and your involvement with Black Moors is uh is another fantastic hat to wear. Thank you for jumping on board there. And um no worries. Hopefully Sonny's asleep when you jump out of the car there, Elsie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: I think he will be, yeah.
0: All right. Thanks so much for your time again.
1: Thanks, Heidi. Bye.